Oh, to the ladies, to the gentlemen, to the fellas, the fellas, the fellas, welcome in to the final thoughts of the week 14 slate right here. And also, shout out to Happy Birthday, a man that I used to have plaques of in my room as a little six, seven-year-old. Why the hell my parents let me have these Ray Mysterio plaques? Shout out to that man who's like 46 years old. I saw something pop up along my, my Twitter sphere today. But what are y'all doing? How y'all doing? Look, I know we're going to get some people that hop in and say, final thoughts on a Friday? All right, if, 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 that's how, if that's how you have a strong feeling about this, well, then a couple things. You don't understand logistics of content. And number two, you're probably way too deep into the fantasy rabbit hole that you have not come up for air and looked at the sun in a long time. But the logistics part of that is, yeah, so people can actually see this. If I post this on Sunday morning, there's going to be 1,000 people that see it instead of 10,000 plus people. So it makes a lot of sense logistics-wise. We have a live stream on Sunday, that one dude video focusing on low-owned dudes that are going to go off at each position, or at least trying to predict that on Saturdays. And then we have another closing thought, which is like this, except way more in depth with my strategy, all of my exposures, how to use the optimizer properly to leverage your opponents, a lot of other stuff, ownership as well. And that we'll talk about on our Sunday closing thoughts podcast on Patreon. I didn't know if the camera could pick up my nice coffee steam. We got a big old mug. You're not gonna be able to see how big this mug is, but this thing is the fucking size of my head. I'm gonna drink the whole damn thing during this show in between. Of course, we'll cut it out. You don't have to hear the sips, but Ladies and gentlemen, how are you right now, week 14, as we get into the home stretch, the final month of the NFL season, and we get no bye weeks. We get 13 games. You know what's going to be so beautiful about that? Oh, we don't even have to, I'm not even going to worry about quarterback ownership. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to worry because I don't even think anything's going to hit 10%. Unless you're in small field contests, I don't think most quarterbacks are going to even touch that 10% number, if any of them. The ones that might even get close to that are going to be guys that I don't want because I don't think the expensive guys are going to be getting that highly owned because now you have 13 games in the slate instead of the consistent 11 that we've been getting. So four more teams and a lot more ownership to be going around at this point. And look, this is what I'm here for. We're going to go position by position. I have in-depth game by game notes, 20 plus pages of them. I have projections, rankings, ownership, and a bunch of stuff. All that's on Patreon. I'm going to be referencing all the tools that I create over on my other screen. And we're going to go from there to try and equip you to smack your opponents around, to take all the big energy that you have, have some big fun, and win the dollar skis, spend them on some brewskis, do whatever you want to do, right? That's the whole goal here to get you more informed and get you ready to dominate your opponents. Because I'm going to be honest with you, your opponents that aren't watching this right now, that are just mouth breeders waking up on Sunday morning putting in lineups they stand zero chance if you're going to be equipped with the information in this video so with that said hit the like and subscribers i greatly appreciate it hitting our goal towards 35,000 subscribers by the end of 2020 we are on pace for that but we might need a little bit of a nudge so i appreciate you in advance if you're not already subscribed to hit that subscribe button and also this video is sponsored by jock market the good people over at jock market are creating a lovely game and that game is going to be when daily fantasy sports meets a stock exchange yes you can now buy stock in players for their specific week for the games that go on from sunday to monday for showdown slates even at this point for nba for golf they have a whole bunch of different avenues for that. So how does it work? Well, at 8 a.m. on Sunday, the stock market opens. The IPOs open, and that goes until noon. You have four hours to bid on stocks, to bid on players at that point. Based on if you win the bid, you bid high enough to win that player awards how many shares that you get of them. Now, if that player goes on to score the most fantasy points, if they end up being first overall in the week in fantasy points out of all the players that you chose, the 70 players in the pool, they have free contests as well, then you win $25 per share that you have of them. So if you bought a player for eight bucks, and they end up being the highest scoring player in the slate, say it's Dalvin Cook this week, he scores the most fantasy points on the well, you just won for every single share that you have of him, $17. You get that difference between the 25 and the eight. If you have 10 shares, bang, $170. It's a ton of fun. If you have any interest in the stock market, it's going to be a great relationship for that interest between DFS and the stock exchange. And if you want to learn more about the stock market, what better way to do so than through your hobbies? So check out Jock Market today. If you use the promo code SAL10, that is SAL10, you can get it in the Android store. You can get it on Apple devices, whatever app. They're getting a desktop version very soon. Using that code, my name, SAL10, S-A-L-10, they will give you 
10 free dollars upon signing up for the app. So check it out down below. Jock Market, the proud sponsor of the Week 14 Final Thoughts show. So let's rev up these motherfucking engines and start this thing off right now because we're going to start with Mr. Patrick Mahomes. Look, this this slate, honestly, it looks straightforward to me. There's 13 games. There's enough value to be playing stacks of the Chiefs. I know that Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are expensive, but you can get stacks in there if you want to even put from the same team with Sammy Watkins. You can get relatively cheap options on the run back from Miami with Gaskin, with Mike Gusecki, with Devontae Parker. I know that Travis Kelsey is expensive. Yeah, Sammy Watkins and Marcus Robinson, all these ways to get cheap within the stack or just play outside of the stack, cheaper options, punt wide receivers that have upside, right? uh, Tim Patrick, we're seeing some guys from the Jets with no Denzel Mims, more target share to go around there. You're seeing guys all over the place that are going to be relatively cheap. Basically, every single one of the Dallas receivers, like there's ways to make this thing work and make it work in a major way, especially when I think that the Chiefs are likely going to be the number one stacking option this week as of right now. So Patrick Mahomes is going to have a positive 26% pass blocking advantage that ranks overall in the season as pass blocking top 10 overall. And now he goes up against Miami. That's been pretty much average, right? Uh, They started off the year hot. They got some injuries. They're 14th in coverage, 14th in pass rush, 15th in pressure rate. They're pretty much average across the board there. And now you're getting Mahomes, a man who's throwing 38.6 times per game, fourth most in the NFL, likely your MVP candidate with the first most passing yards at this point of 3,815. It's 25.7 points per game, rather second most. And he's number four in yards per attempt this year. You're getting some nice mobile upside too with 20 rushing yards per game on the ground. Now I get it. Sal, these guys are expensive to pair him up with. If you had to pick one, would it be Tyreek? Would it be Kelsey? Who are you going to choose if you only could pick one of those guys? Well, this week, if I can only pick one of those guys, I'll go with Tyreek Hill. But I will let you know that I'm not against getting both of them in my lineups on full-on game stacks. I likely am going to be trying to full-on game stack this week. A 28-team implied total, 68% completion percentage. Patrick Mahomes is going to be one of my top options this week, if not my top option in terms of stacks and at the quarterback position. And the lovely part is we go through some ownership that I do have over on Patreon right now. Patrick Mahomes, early on at this point on Friday morning, I know we have another day, day and a half to really get this ownership finalized, and I'll be updating it daily. You can check out, follow along right now with the ownership and the projections and all that stuff down below on Patreon. You can check it out, patreon.com backslash Sal underscore Vetri underscore. You can follow along right now if you'd like. But the beautiful thing is that you're not going to have all that much ownership coming in here. I think that Honestly, there's two stacks that you want to own this week more times than not, and the Chiefs are going to be the number one option, and Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be maybe 5% on this week because there's 13 games in the slate and because there's a decent amount of good quarterbacks, and also he's expensive. Now, my second option that I think is maybe not as good as the Chiefs stacks, but right there in terms of the ones that I want to be owning neck and neck, and that's going to be Mr. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers stacks this week. Rodgers is coming in with a positive 22% pass blocking advantage. As you can see on the screen, we put some stats up on the screen if you're listening on the podcast. You want to come over here sometime. He has a number two overall pass blocking unit this year. And now he gets Detroit, which is a beautiful matchup. The second worst secondary, 31st in the NFL. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but even those guys that are injured, the rookie Okuda, some other guys, they've not been good at all this year. Justin Coleman in the slot, been bad. Amani on the outside, been bad. Nothing is here to even try to limit or stop Mr. Devontae Adams. As he got hurt, actually, in this game earlier in the season, he came out in the second half. That's the game where he got his uh, turf toe, his foot injury, whatever it was that made him miss a couple of weeks. This is a bottom third, 21st overall pass rush at this point for the Detroit Lions. And they allow their opponents to throw for the fifth most passing yards per game at 200. 61.7. It's going to be a great spot for Rodgers, who's averaging 35 attempts per game right now, who has the sixth overall protection rate at almost 90%, who's number one in deep attempts, who's number one in passing touchdowns to this point, fifth in fantasy points per game amongst quarterbacks. I'm not going to be stacking him up similar with Mahomes. I'm not going to stack Mahomes with the Chiefs running backs. I won't be stacking up Rodgers with Aaron Jones personally. There's way more than enough pass catchers now. Devonta Adams, Alan Lazard, MVS, I think has some sneaky upside as well. And those stacks is a cheap option, especially if you're trying to fit in, maybe even as a one-off in a mini stack, go like MVS, run it back with somebody on the opposite side, like a Hawkinson, if you're trying to fit in chief stacks, but there's some sneaky GPP upside there. And then Robert Tonyan, three straight games of five targets, three straight games at a touchdown. Although that you can say, yeah, hey, once a touchdown goes away, he's going to bust. He's still at a cheap price point. And what happens if the volume goes up to eight targets? Because he's catching almost everything coming his way because of the separation that this man is getting. It's the highest team total on the slate. I like Green Bay right now. I would not be shocked if Mahomes and Rodgers 
Again, I haven't ran my crunches yet, but just by doing this a lot, I would not be shocked if Mahomes and Rodgers made up like 50% of my lineups, which is normally when I'm trying to get like some exposure and some leverage really on one, two or three guys in a single week. So that would make me feel really good this week because I have a lot of upside or at least based on what I'm looking in terms of just what would be some of the top and best stacks of the week. Those are the ones that stand out the most to me right now. And then the rest of these guys, they're going to be filtering it in. Of course, I'm going to have ownership, probably double digit ownership to some of these guys. And a lot of them though, don't make me feel great. I mean, we could look at Justin Herbert in a bounce back spot coming off of potentially the two worst games of his career. It's going to be a tough pass blocking advantage as he has the third worst or third worst right now, 30th ranked pass blocking unit this year. And Atlanta has been decent in pressure 15th overall. Right now they rank eighth in pass rush and 19th in coverage. So can you get the bounce back spot after going down 45 to nothing? The team total isn't as great as some of these other priced up quarterbacks at just 24, but he is a slight underdog with the most fantasy points per game given up in terms of the defense that he's facing in the Atlanta Falcons this year. Herbert currently leads the slate with 41.4 attempts per game. And I doubt you'll see any interest in ownership coming in on Herbert. I suspect Herbert's going to be like many quarterbacks this week, since there's a lot of guys, most will be around 5%. I think Herbert's going to be well below that, maybe two, 3% on this week. So it's easy to get above him. If I have 8% Herbert in meaning that I'll also have 8% charger stacks that I'm not going to be that worried about getting to him, even if it's that little amount, because I know I'm above the field by a decent amount. Herbert with Keenan Allen, this is going to be one of Keenan Allen's best matchups of the year. It's going to probably go very quietly unnoticed because Keenan Allen has not been good as of late because the last two games, Herbert has not been good. And also you have Devontae Adams, you have Hopkins, you have the EK Metcalf, you have all these guys priced up that I think Keenan Allen is going to go a little bit unnoticed, even if you wanted to go to him as a one-off. Mike Williams and Hunter Henry in that order would be my secondary options. And then there's guys that I don't really like all that much. And this is why I don't think you're going to see as much ownership on them. I think Russell Wilson will draw some ownership. I don't think you're going to see a lot of ownership on Kyler Murray now. I think I would prefer Kyler Murray for $700 less. And they're both facing these New York teams, the Giants and the Jets. Kyler Murray has a much worse team total at this point, 23 and a half. But that's just to show like, I don't really have much interest in either of these guys. I don't have confidence that Russell Wilson is going to throw out that much unless the Jets can keep this one competitive like last week, which again, I don't think that that's going to happen as 14 point favorites here for Seattle. I think Seattle rolls in this one. I think it's a Chris Carson game. Obviously, Russell Wilson can throw four touchdowns in the first half, and he pays off a lot of things at $7,900. But in that price range, I'm going to assume that a lot of my ownership focuses to Rodgers and Mahomes, especially because if I want a full-on game stack here, running it back with the Jets, now that they don't have Mims, becomes a little bit more difficult with Perriman and Crowder, and Crowder's not that cheap. And then full-on game stacking, there's not that many options. It's basically just Tyler Lockett, probably not going to punch Jacob Hollister tight end and DK Metcalf at that point, where we just talked about four options for Aaron Rodgers, where you can probably go five options deep for Patrick Mahomes in stacks and be viable at that point. Russell Wilson, I feel decent about two guys in a stack. You can maybe convince me David Moore at that point, but his routes run numbers have not been that great as of late. So Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, these guys are secondary options for me at this point. We can discuss some of their individual matchup numbers, but they're not going to matter that much because I don't think I'm going to get to all that much of Russell Wilson's stacks to this point. Russell Wilson's going to have a minus 5% pass blocking advantage. Look, he's facing the dead last coverage unit in the Jets. Their secondary is just hobbled by injuries. Undrafted free agents at this point is all that they have left. They do rank top 10 in pressure rate, which is something that has been able to get to Russell Wilson, especially over the last couple of years, but then especially this year as well. And they allow the second most passing yards per game. Russell Wilson set up to be in a perfect spot here. It's just a matter of, do we see that? Do we see the first four weeks of the season, Russell Wilson? Or are you going to see what we've been seeing the last month of the season, which is if you only have to throw 30 times and for 250 yards and two touchdowns, you can go ahead and do that because he is the second highest priced quarterback to this point. So I do think that those guys are all in like a secondary tier. It's by far Mahomes and Rodgers on their own thing. Herbert's kind of in this next tier. And another guy that's going to be in that tier with Herbert is a guy who even in like one of his worst performances last week, still pushes right around 25 fantasy points. And that man's name is Deshaun Watson against the Bears. Now he's not going to be all that much owned either, right? You have a mobile quarterback though, going up against the Bears defense that if anything is maybe a little bit overrated this year. And I'm not saying that the Bears defense is bad. They're top 10 in some defensive categories, but in terms of how much people just run away from players because of the Bears defense playing them, I do think that Deshaun Watson is going to be another guy that's going to be 5% or less owned. So if I'm going to get 10% Deshaun Watson. I'm going to be double the field on Deshaun Watson or more, obviously way over the field on his full on game stacks. As of right now, Brandon Cooks passed the concussion protocol last week. There's been no residual factors there. So you have Brandon Cooks, you have 
Kiki Kute. You have still Jordan Aikens, who I do think is going to be somebody that I'm fine going right back to. Maybe I, I believe he only had two catches for 10 yards last week, but I do think that the amount of targets and the routes run that are going to come his way are going to make it meaningful for him. So Deshaun Watson at $7,600, I do think in play. The issue there is that I much prefer getting to Aaron Rodgers. So he would be kind of like that fourth option for me this week. Brady, Matt Ryan, some of these statue quarterbacks, if you really wanted to get there, they have nice team totals, 29 implied team total, but a six point favorite for Brady. I do think you see a good amount of Ronald Jones in that game, but I do think that Tom Brady, again, probably 5% on that I'm currently projected out on Patreon is a decent option against a Minnesota secondary that still ranks bottom third of the league to this point. Tom Brady is going to be having a positive 47% pass blocking advantage right now because Minnesota's defense ranked 30th in pass rush and 24th in pressure rate. You're gonna have a nice option there. And Minnesota is allowing the six most passing yards per game to quarterbacks, 262 so far this season. That is going to be Mr. Tom Brady's playground and wheelhouse who's averaging almost 40 attempts per game. He's in play for me. Again, these guys I would suspect to get maybe like eight to 12% of overall as my stacks. Again, each quarterback that I get is going to be directly related to how much stacks I get of that team. Final guys, Matt Ryan, just track Julio Jones' status. If he's active, well, then you have Julio, Calvin Ridley, and then Hayden Hurst in that order for me in those stacks against the Chargers defense that has been very suspect as of late. It's difficult, but Matt Ryan is one of those quarterbacks, one of the last ones left. We saw it a little bit last week with Mr. Matthew Stafford, but one of those guys who can go for 350 and three to four touchdowns to get you there and not have to have any mobile upside. He will have a positive 5% pass blocking advantage this week. Not the greatest of offensive lines. It'll be not the best matchup in terms of secondary and all that because the Chargers are now healthy. They got Chris Harris back in the slot. Casey Hayward has been healthier and seeming to play better as of late somewhat not really that great the same peak case Hayward right when he left the Packers and went to the Chargers and was one of the best cornerbacks in the league for a couple of years but this is still going to be a more difficult matchup than you assume but those matchups are against Calvin Ridley who I'm not concerned about Chris Harris or whoever he faces on the opposite outside and they're probably going to be up against Julio Jones from Casey Hayward not concerned about that at all those wide receivers offer a mega ceiling for Mr. themselves one but also Mr. Matt Ryan so I would rank it right now Mahomes and Rodgers no doubt about it and then after that the guys that I look at in the secondary tier are like Herbert Watson then Russell Wilson, Murray, then Brady and Ryan, those statue guys. Maybe even those guys are above the Kyler Murray range and Russell Wilson just based on price point and also injury of Kyler. So that's where we're at with the quarterback position and really just the stacks in general. Let's now move over. I hope you enjoy the stats on the screen to the running back position where very sadly for my season long leagues, it does not look like, although I eked into the playoffs, it does not look like Mr. Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to play for us. So that is a concern, but what it does open up is his teammate. So the biggest thing to talk about right away is now that McC- Christian McCaffrey is not officially ruled out as of this recording, but everything is leaning that he's going to be doubtful. You get a fairly priced Mike Davis set sure the times that you've played him when he's been chalk as of late he's probably not done well but those other times you didn't play him he scored 20 plus fantasy points i right now have mike davis projected for 17.5 fantasy points i have mike davis against denver being a very nice option and a very good play so mike davis right now is a yes for me i like that mike davis look you're just getting a lot of opportunities when he's out there you're getting a lot of overall work in the passing game you could probably expect 15 plus opportunities but really the upside of 20 plus opportunities with all the goal line work out there tough matchup against denver for sure but if the ownership is going to hold low which right now i do think it is going to hold relatively low i'm going to be getting myself to some Michael Davis. And again, the beautiful thing about all these games getting up on this slate, right? The beautiful thing about it is the ownership gets spread out. So in weeks where you might see some chalk running backs hit 30%, this week they might not even hit 20%. So it does allow you to do a lot more with your lineups. It does allow you to very easily find a 4% owned guy. It does allow you to play the chalk and not worry about it as much because the chalky running back that's 15% on this week, that's not that highly owned. That's normally like average ownership, slightly above average ownership most weeks. It's not going to be detrimental to your overall total lineup ownership that you're trying to keep somewhat in range of a median so that you can actually get a unique lineup. One of those guys that is probably going to pick up ownership, but again, I don't think he's going to be like 25% home. And this guy has not been picking up ownership any week, but that's going to be Mr. James Robinson at this point. I'm going to keep getting to James Robinson if he's going to keep getting 25 plus opportunities. Now, he's not my favorite running back this week, but he is a yes for me. I'll get into my favorite running backs in a second. But at $7,500, the price point is getting up there. Again, he's always going to be an underdog at this point, but he's seeing enough targets to keep him in play even in the passing game. If you're going to be picking up six to seven points in the passing game alone, and you're kind of giving yourself a floor of a touchdown, basically, it would account for, for guys who don't have a passing game usage. I like 
like that. And I'm not totally against this matchup for him against Tennessee, but keep in mind, like, even though he's getting a lot of opportunities in these games where he doesn't go berserk, like the last week or two, he's still scoring like 12 or 14 fantasy points, which doesn't crush your lineup, but he's not 6,500 anymore. Now he's 7,500. You basically have to get him to score a minimum of 16 points and not crushing your lineup. And you really, to win a tournament, 20 plus fantasy points. So although I think he's definitely in play and he's a yes for me based on the volume, he's not going to be as one of the highest owned guys this week, my favorite running back. Potentially my favorite running back play on the entire slate. There's like a couple guys who can fit into this category. He's going to pick up ownership too, but again, maybe it hits at most 20%. I doubt he even gets there. Is Mr. Austin Eckler at $7,000 Ruskies here. Look, the Chargers have a minus 17% run blocking advantage this week because they have the 32nd ranked run blocking unit. So that's always going to be the case. But you have a defense that's not that great overall, around average, like 12th, 14th in run defense, 20th in tackling. Falcons ring 12th in opponents rushing yards per game at 109. So this is like an average defense that he gets to face, but we like the overall passing game usage that you're seeing out of Mr. Austin Eckler. 5.7 yards per touch, 4.62 yards per carry. The 5.7 yards per touch, top eight in the NFL. Very good to see. 16.2 fantasy points per game in games where he's also left early in limited sample games. That is already top 10 in the NFL as well. And since he's returned, you're getting 25 targets. You're getting seven targets per game to this point. It's just been very good for Austin Eckler's usage since returning. They lose 45 nothing last week, but you get that very healthy usage number of those nine targets in the passing game that makes him that great game flow independent back. And now he has a smash spot against the number one DVP matchup on the slate. If you want to look at it that way, fantasy points per game allowed. Atlanta Falcons giving up the most to the running back position. Give me some Austin Eckler. Next up, who I want to talk about is a man, the myth, the legend, who's also going to be relatively highly owned and making it some lower owned options. Miles Gaskin, who's going to be questionable with week 14 with a knee injury. So be sure to track that. He has the 30th ranked run blocking advantage, but will still have a positive 3% run blocking matchup because the Chiefs run defense is not good. 20th right now in run defense, 22nd in tackling. They give up the 27th most, so bottom five in the NFL, rushing yards per game to the running back position, 132.4. Now he is going to come into this one as a seven point underdog with just a 21 implied team total, but he's cheap. His price point goes down from last week after seeing another 20 plus opportunities, which he's now seen in four straight healthy games. His opportunity share is 68%, 11th in the NFL. He's averaging 15.1 carries per game, and he's top 10 in red zone touches. This man is top 10 in red zone touches, Miles Gassing. He obviously had a lot last week alone getting stuffed, but top 10 in red zone usage, even though he missed like a month plus of the season. You're getting 60 rushing yards per game to this point in the year. And in week 13, it was first week back. He ended up seeing 23 opportunities, 140 plus yards. It's nice to see. He's top 10 in running backs yards per reception. Miles Gaskin, even if some of these guys who were hurt last week, Ahmed, some of the guys behind him and Matt Breida, whoever it is, even if they come back, this is Miles Gaskin's backfield. We've seen that now for a month of his active games, right? Four games of his. I like Miles Gaskin a lot. I think Miles Gaskin last week was the best play in the slate, in my opinion, for GPPs. Some leverage off of David Montgomery. I think Miles Gaskin, arguably right up there with Austin Eckler, is some of my favorite opportunity plays this week when it comes to even cash games, but also GBPs being the main one. Next up, we'll get into some other guys. Track Ezekiel Elliott, who got banged up in that last game. Obviously, if it's going to be a situation, it doesn't seem like it early on that he misses. Tony Pollard becomes a fantastic, cheaper, relatively cheaper option on this slate. But Ezekiel Elliott, he was fine in that game. He's been fine on a per touch basis. He's been fine in evading tackles. He's been fine on his own right. He has a bad offensive line and his team puts him in negative game scripts and doesn't get him near the goal line. Like he got stuff in the one yard line last week. So that sucks a lot. But I think that this matchup is above average. I think that them being favorites with a nice implied team total around 24 is nice. Look, they don't not have good run blocking. We've basically said that 26 in run blocking right now, but the Bengals rank 25th in run defense at this point, and they're allowing top three yards per game allowed to the running back position. 134.5 yards per game is what this Bengals defense is allowing. Now you get Zeke, who has a 75% opportunity share, sixth in the NFL, 199 carries, fifth in the NFL, averaging 16.6 carries per game to this point. He has 14 goal line touches, second in the NFL. Look, he's getting all of the high upside touches. It's just that his team just stinks and keeping drives alive and allowing him lately to get all that work, but he's ninth in evaded tackles to this point, 12th in fantasy points per game. He still leads the NFL in running backs who run routes. And you saw that last week, another four receptions gives him a nice floor of basically a touchdown in the passing game, right? Four receptions, 20 something yards. You get six plus fantasy points. The third most targets at the running back position with 62 right now. And the fifth most receptions at 43. So Zeke for me, he's too cheap. Like if he was 7,400 
right, you know what, Zeke, you know, he's not going to get to the end zone, all this stuff, but he's $6,600. He's right there with David Montgomery, who's been trending upward at this point, likely to see some more ownership as Zeke slightly trends downward at a similar price point. I do think it's a nice uh, leverage spot for Zeke Elliott, who's probably going to be maybe 12% owned to David Montgomery being like 18% owned. I think that's a decent leverage spot this week. I do have interest in Montgomery though. Again, he'll be higher owned than Zeke and I would like to leverage off of it, but it is hard to ignore what David Montgomery has been doing to this point in the season. I mean, since week four, he's run the most routes at the running back position. He's seen the most overall usage at the running back position since Tariq Cohen went down. David Montgomery is hard to ignore because he gets all the red zone usage. He's running the most routes to this point. He's run 27 or more routes in four of the last five weeks. It's just too good to ignore. And now he's going up against Houston, which is another bottom five of the league run defense, very similar to Zeke's matchup. So I think both of those guys, maybe you could even play both of them in a GPP, Zeke and Montgomery with a lot of upside there, but 22 and a half implied total as an underdog. It isn't the greatest spot for him, but that passing game usage, you're going to run 25 routes. If you're going to see five targets and catch four of them for 30 yards, that's just such a high floor, especially since you can catch a touchdown as well for upside in the passing game. And it is hard to ignore Mr. David Montgomery. JD McKissick will close it out. I mentioned it on the Wednesday show, but JD McKissick is somebody to maybe be a little bit scared of. If indeed we do get no Antonio Gibson, which is trending that way right now, he's doubtful with a toe injury for week 14. You can see it right now on the screen. If indeed we get that, it is hard to ignore Mr. JD McKissick, who played 74% of the snaps against Pittsburgh. 74% to Mr. Peyton Barber, who did have 14 carries, 23 yards in the touchdown in week 13, played 33% of the snaps. Now the game flow was to play from behind, so it makes sense that McKissick was on the field a good amount. And in this game as well, now against San Francisco, they are three-point underdogs. So you assume maybe they're going to play from a behind again in this one. He saw 74% of the snaps, five attempts for eight yards, but he caught all 10 of his passes, a 23% target share for 10 receptions, 70 yards in that game, ended up putting up, you know, 17, 18 fantasy points all in the passing game for the most part. And I can talk about Washington's run blocking advantage being positive 37% because they have a top 10 run blocking unit, but that probably only helps like Peyton Barber because you expect maybe four to six carries from McKissick and not much to happen on the ground. If you get a rushing touchdown, uh, awesome, I like him to you because you're going to have so much more upside at that point. 49ers right now are allowing only 106 rushing yards per game. They're top 10 in run defense and top five in tackling. So you're hoping McKissick gets them in the passing game. You're hoping that if anything, San Fran goes up by a couple scores in this game so you can get similar usage, 70 plus percent snaps like you did last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Some other options, Dalvin Cook becomes more appealing now against Tampa Bay because this is a week where a lot more games we've been harping on, not going to have as much ownership. Mr. Dalvin Cook might not come in with all that much ownership. Mr. Dalvin Cook might only come in at 10% or less owned. So Dalvin Cook right now for me is a maybe, but now that we have no Christian McCaffrey, now that he seems to be a lower home, he is in a very brutal matchup. We're going to slowly move that to a yes, because the opportunities of 26 per game right now, all the goal line opportunities, Alexander Madison still being banged up and likely not going to play, open up a lot of chances that Dalvin Cook can just smash this week. Also Derrick Henry at this point, these running backs, the only ways that I normally play these guys is if they're going to be coming in lower owned. It looks like Derrick Henry might be twice as owned. You can see above me, Matthew, whoever just subscribed to the channel. Shout out you, my man. You have those popping up on the live streams a lot. So be sure to like and subscribe so you can get active on the live streams. But if you're going to be having Derrick Henry twice as owned as it's looking early on on Friday, my ownership projections right now to Dalvin Cook, I'll just pivot to Dalvin Cook. Henry, obviously in a good spot, always busts up Jacksonville, except for the first time they play this year. So that's obviously not a great narrative, but a 30 implied total with a seven point favorite. Yes, Derrick Henry is clearly in play. Yes, as of right now, if he's going to be twice as owned as Dalvin Cook, I'll take the pivot play to Mr. Dalvin Cook. Aaron Jones, Chris Carson are fine. A recent ad was Ronald Jones as he's now going to be a six point favorite with a 29 implied team total. I do think that Ronald Jones is a nice running back option this week. I think that he won't be that highly owned either. He's a nice pivot option for a lot of people. The Bucks have a positive 52% run blocking advantage. You can see it on the screen right now because Minnesota ranks 26 in run defense, 24th in tackling, and they allow 121 rushing yards per game to the opposing team. Now the Bucks have not played in a while. They had a week 13 bye. In week 12, you saw 54% of the snaps to Fournette. He had three carries for three yards, but Ronald Jones, 36% of the snaps still saw more usage, nine attempts for 66 yards. He had a 37 yard receiving touchdown as well to salvage his day. That's the game where they got blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs. So you expect not that great usage for Ronald Jones as Fournette has been more of the pass catching back so far this season. Ronald Jones though, he has 40 evaded tackles. He has 
5.1 yards per carry and 5.2 yards per touch. Those are all pretty above average numbers for a running back. 820 rushing yards, very quietly top five in the NFL. And he is top 10 in carries, even splitting some work with Mr. Leonard Fournette. Ron Jones definitely in play. Jonathan Taylor and Wayne Gallman, also some nice options that aren't going to be picking up ownership. Like maybe you get one of those guys popping to 10%. Jonathan Taylor is by far not going to be owned, probably below 5% owned this week. I do think that Jonathan Taylor is going to provide a lot of upside for people this week. If you indeed want to go ahead and get him as a lower owned running back, maybe he could be our that one dude because the Colts have a positive 67% run blocking advantage in this game. They have a nice team total of 27. Overall, Vegas is giving up the second most fantasy points to the running back position, and he's coming into this one as a favorite, which is very nice to see. You have a situation where the Raiders rank 30th in run defense, so bottom three, and dead last in tackling to this point. They allow 121 rushing yards per game to the position. In week 13, you saw only 49% of the snaps for Taylor, so you're still seeing other running backs involved, like Himes, who played 33% of the snaps in week 13. Taylor saw 16 opportunities, over 130 yards, and he scored a touchdown in the receiving game. Hines was involved, though. He saw nine touches. He also had a rushing touchdown for 32 total yards, so it's not all on Mr. Jonathan Taylor yet, but if he's going to keep seeing 15-plus opportunities and goal line work, that last game, Hines saw actually a goal line touch, which is concerning, but on the season, he's seen more goal line work. There is upside there. This is a man who right now is third in average yards per receptions for running backs, eighth in breakaway runs, which is very nice to see. He also is 11th in receiving yards, and if he didn't miss a game, he'd probably be top 10. So Jonathan Taylor is nice to see. Wayne Gallman also has a positive pass blocking advantage as well. Let's now move over to, as you can see, these last couple of guys on the running backs, the wide receiver page. And if you're normally used to watching my videos on these videos, we usually have a long list of yeses. I really try to condense it this week and make a lot of guys maybes with your exes to really kind of show you, at least early on on a Friday or later on in the week on a Friday, where I'm currently kind of focusing my exposures and hand building single entry and three maxes, but then also in the optimizer, some things can change because of course, like some of these guys are going to be yeses. You're like, how are they yeses? Like Devonte Parker early on, we'll break down into him. But because if I assume I'm going to get a lot of chief stacks, yes, Miles Gaskin is going to be a run back, but I'll need some other run back options as well to differentiate my lineups or even go full on game stacks. Meaning that I'm running it back with two Dolphins players. Gaskin and Parker would look like some of the better options in that scenario. But before we do get into it, the wide receiver position this week is going to be brought to you by Mr. Superdraft. I say Mr. Superdraft, it's just fucking Superdraft, but Superdraft. What is Superdraft? It is a multiplier format. So for example, Devonte Adams, as you can see on the screen, the S draft column has a 1x multiplier this week. Say he scores 22 fantasy points. Well, you multiply that by one and he has 22 Superdraft points. But, 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 and this is a big old booty. You have a guy on here like Julio Jones, who what happens if he scores this exact same amount of DraftKings points, 22 as Devonte Adams, right? Well, you get 22. Well, now you have to multiply that by the 1.2x multiplier. It doesn't have to be DraftKings points, just points in general, the super draft scoring. Multiply by the 1.2 multiplier, he's actually going to score 26 plus fantasy points. So you're going to have Julio Jones scoring better because of his multiplier at that point. It's all multiplier based. We do have the multipliers and projections over on Patreon. Again, you can just access all that down below, patreon.com backslash sal underscore vetri underscore. And I currently do have Devonta Adams as my highest projected player, even at the 1x multiplier. But then Allen Robinson with a 1.4x multiplier projects for around the exact same amount of points, which is about three points higher than anybody else in the slate as Devontae Adams. So Allen Robinson looks like a very nice super draft play. So there you go. You got yourself a free play to win some free dollar rooskies over there because if you sign up for super draft, they will give you a free money bonus up to a thousand dollars in a slow drip format. You just have to let them know you came from Sal using the promo code Sal SAL. It's linked up down below to check it out. It's a very fun multiplier format. People have been winning a couple of people have won 10,000 plus dollars. Somebody's won 30 plus thousand dollars on our Patreon and Discord. And that was all very recently within the last couple of weeks to months. So be sure to check it out. People are winning every single showdown state on super draft and winning a lot of dollar rooskies. So let's start it off with Mr. Devontae Adams, who I already talked about how bad one of the worst, if not the worst secondaries right there with the Jets and the NFL is this Detroit secondary. And they have some injuries, but it doesn't matter. He'll face Amani this week, who has a positive, well, he has a positive 43% matchup against. It's just going to be a very nice spot. Coming off of a 10 reception, 12 target, a buck 21, two touchdowns, insane game in the Millie Maker lineup for over 35 fantasy points on DraftKings. And look, it's not just going to be a shadow matchup because maybe try and put double teams. I doubt it all that much, but he's going to line up this year 35% of the time on the left side of the field, 33% of the time in the slot, 31% of the time on the right side of the field. So he'll see some Daryl Roberts. He'll see some terrible Justin. 
Justin Coleman, wherever he goes, Devontae Adams is going to have a great spot. It really comes down to he's expensive at 9,300. If he only scores 25 fantasy points, that might not be enough to put it into your Millie Maker winning lineups. So can he just go off for another 30 plus? I say yes, I think that he can. And obviously a lot of that will be my Packers stacks. The man right now is seeing at this point 11.1 targets per game. Right now he is fourth in reception. And this is after missing a couple of weeks in this season. Second in total touchdowns with 13. First in fantasy points per game amongst all wide receivers with 26.3 and 27.9 if you're talking about DraftKings. He is the number one player even with this volume in yards per route run at 3.03. He is number five in yards after the catch. He is top 10 in separation and top eight in fantasy points per target. Devontae Adams, we did a little bit more in depth than we needed to to tell you how good this motherfucker is at this point. He might be the offensive player of the year if you take out all of the quarterbacks, right? If you don't say a quarterback, Devontae Adams might be the offensive player of the year this year, like it was Michael Thomas last year. And speaking of the devil, Michael Thomas will be questionable with a week 14 ankle injury, likely to see Darius Slay, who's just been tormented. Darius Slay has had to face DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams these last couple weeks. It's just been brutal for him. And now he gets Michael Thomas, which is nowhere near the same type of, I would say, physical specimen of DK Metcalf, similar to Devontae Adams in terms of size, but not so much the, the route running ability, but he's still very good in his own right, Mr. Michael Thomas. Let's not get this twisted. He's having a down year due to injury, but his matchup against Darius Slay is still a positive matchup, positive 12%, as you can see on the screen. He has a 29% target share this year. It only continues to go up with Taysom Hill. He has a 29% red zone target share as well. Very good to see at this point. A 97% true catch rate. So even without Drew Brees out there, he's still converting a lot of his targets into receptions with Taysom Hill. 75% contested catch rate right now is second in the NFL. And last week, 11 more targets from Taysom Hill, nine catches, 105 yards. And if you're playing on DraftKings, which is where I recommend and where I play, I play there, I play Jock Market, I play Super Draft, I don't play really on FanDuel. You were able to get that receiving yard bonus for going over 100 yards, which puts him over 20 fantasy points in week 13. We like ourselves some Michael Thomas. We like ourselves a lot of these cheaper options, right? Like $7,100. And now you start to get to the six range, which is just loaded with talent. We can start it off with Mr. Allen Robinson, who just continues to get usage. Last week, it's just a weird situation where he gets banged up in the game, doesn't play as many snaps. $6,800 now against Houston, who's without Bradley Roby, who honestly wasn't even that good to begin with, but now has no other options. Allen Robinson is strongly in play. We can go down to Mr. Julio Jones, who every week is going to be questionable, still with his hamstring injury. I expect that he plays. He'll have a positive 40% matchup against Casey Hayward. Again, Casey Hayward is all but a name so far this year. Julio Jones is still an elite wide receiver when he is a healthy wide receiver. He's seen a 20% target share and 86 yards per game to this point in the season, 16.2 fantasy points per game. He is top 10 right now in yards per target, top six actually. He is top five in yards per outrun. All the data gurus out there want to keep throwing dirt on Julio Jones' name. I've been saying this for a couple weeks now, but all these data gurus are the same ones saying that Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson are so good because of their yards per outrun. Julio Jones is number four in the NFL in yards per outrun. Maybe the most efficiency metric of all efficiency metrics for wide receivers. 2.7 yards per outrun. And last week, in what was his worst game of the year when he's healthy, six catches, 94 yards, and 10 targets. So his worst game of the year scores over 15 fantasy points. Not bad for this price point. Also almost came down with one of the best catches you will ever see, which would have put him well over the 100-yard bonus and had a touch down. Julio Jones for me is very strongly in play. I prefer Julio to Allen Robinson and Michael Thomas right now. At $6,600, he looks like one of the best upside plays for the price point. He's actually very close for Allen Robinson. I'll still take Julio over Robinson, but they're both very close for me this week. We get to another 6K option, and that man's name is Chris Godwin, who's also questionable in week 14 with a finger injury. Everybody at this point in the year is going to be questionable, but this man has a better matchup than the ones I already mentioned. Better than Julio, better than Allen Robinson. A positive 50% matchup against Glanley, Jeff Glanley. That's what we're getting right now in the secondary for Minnesota. Godwin has had a 20% target share. He's seen seven and a half targets per game so far this year, over 70 receiving yards per game. And some things that you like to see out of Godwin, an 82% catch rate, still getting yards after the catch. That 82% catch rate is second most for wide receivers and a number one contested catch rate at 83%. In week 12, in a bad week, eight catches, 97 yards on eight targets playing from behind, still puts up nice fantasy points, still averaging over 15 fantasy points per game on DraftKings, including games that is when he had to leave early due to injury. Godwin at 6,300, like if you were to build a lineup, right? Somehow stack a game up where you can have Julio and Godwin in it, 
whether you're stacking Matt Ryan, whether you're stacking Brady, or if they're just your one-offs, right? Maybe you stack up the Packers and you get a very cheap option with MVS to make that whole thing work. You go back on Detroit with the cheap option, or maybe like Quinton Cyphers, something like that, and you can get Julio Jones and Goblin in your lineup. You're really looking at some 25 plus point upside at the wide receiver position to round out your lineups. Now, my final yes at the wide receiver position is going to be Devontae Parker. And this might surprise you, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm going to be running back a lot of my Chiefs stacks because I assume I'm going to get a lot of Chiefs stacks. But he also has a positive matchup, positive 21% against Ward. You're coming off of the best game for Tua, which is very nice to see. Parker's also going to be on the left side of the field 37% of the time and the right side 37% of the time. So he moves all around the field. So I'll also see some Brashad Breland as well, which is going to still be a positive matchup for Parker. Parker, when healthy, has been good this year. Yet again, top 10 in contested catch rate to this point. He's had 56 receptions, 677 yards on the season, and a 23% target share. Also an 18% red zone target share is nice to see. He finally had a nice week with Tua last week in terms of the volume you got to see from Tua is encouraging. A lot of that also helped Mike Gusecki. It's encouraging for these Dolphins pass catchers. So yes, Devontae Parker is a yes for me, mainly because of the runback options. Again, I prefer Godwin and Julio and even Allen Robinson as one-offs in the 7K range, even if you have to pay more money. But if we're talking about, I have a chief stack and hey, I'm in this range. Do I go with Godwin or Parker? I don't have a Miami run back. I'm going to run it back for the correlation and upside with Devontae Parker. And then on the YouTube channel, I can scroll through the uh, long laundry list of all these other wide receivers I have interest in. Of course, this week, if you're listening on the podcast, I'll vocalize some of them for you because I got your back because you got my back watching this content. Hopkins, Robbie Anderson, Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb, Tim Patrick, Tyreek Hill. We have all the analysis that you need, projections, rankings, ownership, a bunch of stuff, super draft projections, game by game notes. So all the breakdowns, their matchup advantages, their usage this year, their projected usage, all that stuff you can find on Patreon for these individual players. Of course, DK Metcalf's definitely in play. Keenan Allen is a lower own with his price point coming down play. Ridley, Tyler Lockett, McLaurin, all these guys, all the Dallas wide receivers. I would prefer right now for the price discount of $1,000 savings, Brandon Nayuk over Debo. You have a very cheap MVS who has upside. We've seen it this year multiple times. 3900 Alan Lazard's price point doesn't change at 5K. Both of those look good, but MVS at $3,900 could be a sneaky way to get different within your Packers stacks. I think there's a lot of upside at that cheap price point. Not many cheaper options that I want to go to. If you want to get weird with Quinton Syvis, you can. He didn't see a lot of volume though last week, but he did find the end zone for the Detroit Lions. It is time now to close up shop with the tightest of ends, and you're going to get a very chalky, eh, not chalky, chalky relative to the week. Like Travis Kelsey will be like probably 15 plus percent home, and I think he might be the only tight end to hit that metric this week, but he does make a lot of sense because Travis Kelsey at $7,400 is grading out better than a a lot of the wide receiver plays for me this week. Like Travis Kelsey, although he is expensive, he does grade out for me right now for 18.8 fantasy points over on my Patreon projections. And if you wanted to say out of all the wide receivers, who are the only wide receivers I have projected higher than Travis Kelsey this week? Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, and DK Metcalf. And all those guys are above $8,000. So it makes sense the price point that you're getting on Travis Kelsey. You can argue with me that he's too cheap still at 7,400, that he should be $7,800. I don't want that price point, but $7,400 is an affordable price tag for the projection, the upside, and the nine plus targets per game really that you're seeing right now. On, on average for Travis Kelsey. But expect ownership to Travis Kelsey's name to this point. I would expect him to be the highest owned guy, but because of all the guys, games in the slate and his price point, I still don't think that touches 20%. Travis Kelsey is questionable with an illness, but a likely play. He has a positive 49% matchup against Eric Rowe this week. He's number one in so many tight end metrics. Routes run, top five in slot routes, number one in targets with a fucking 110 so far this year is just insane at this point. He has a 90% route participation metric with a 24% target share, which is second amongst all tight ends. So number one option still, number one in receptions, number one in fantasy points per game. Number one in total touchdowns. Number one in receiving yards. He has over 1,100 receiving yards at the tight end position with a month to go in the season. Let that focus in. This man might have 1,600, 1,500 receiving yards by the end of the year. That's how crazy this man's year has been so far. He's number three in yards per out run. Yes, Travis Kelsey, although he's expensive, you can still play the guy and feel very confident about it. I have no issues getting to Travis Kelsey. And like I said, in chief stacks, I'm still going to get to a good amount of Travis Kelsey. But assume that Darren Waller is not going to be picking up really any ownership at all, but he still has a very good matchup. Positive 49% matchup against Anthony Walker. You can see it on the 
screen right now. He is first in target share at 28%. Just had a 200 yard game last week. He has 108 targets, just three less than Travis Kelsey. He has the most unrealized air yards, which have really started to come use last week. He has 20 red zone targets, which leads all tight ends. And he's top five in yards per out run. Number two in yards after the catch behind Travis Kelsey. So he's kind of been right neck and neck after last week's performance with Travis Kelsey. Now Kelsey's on another level in terms of overall yards this year. He has almost 400 more yards than Waller. That helps when you play for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and you're a baller. But yes, Travis Kelsey over Waller for me. I think that the ownership of Kelsey being like twice as owned as Waller is actually going to be pretty fair this week. Some other guys that are probably going to be popping up as ownership, Mike Gusecki after his big week and Logan Thomas after their big weeks last week. And I have interest in both of those guys. To start with Mike Gusecki, yes, I have interest in this guy because I need runback options. I want to play the Chiefs and Gusecki is the cheapest way to be getting those Chiefs into your lineups at $4,500, a positive 17% matchup against Anthony Hitchens. He has ran the second most slot snaps out of all the tight ends this year with 241. And he has a top 10 routes run tree in the NFL for tight end position. You're seeing a lot of nice things. He's second in air yards this year. That actually got higher with for the first time this year, two of last week, seeing some nice downfield usage. He's top 10 in contested catch rates. And he's coming off of his by far best performance with Tua, nine catches, 11 targets from Tua, 88 yards, and he found the end zone for the tutty, fourth most receiving yards on the year. So very quietly, Mike Gusecki's putting up a top five fantasy season. A lot of that hinges on these last couple of weeks, but Gusecki and my runbacks might end up being highly owned for me and higher owned than I think just because of how cheap he is to get into some of those runbacks. Now, Logan Thomas, another guy who probably picks up ownership, but you know, maybe it's like 10%, nothing crazy. He'll have a hard matchup and a tough matchup against Greenlaw, who has been pretty good this year. Logan Thomas usage though has been even better. Number one in slot usage right now, number two in routes run totally on the season, number three in route participation. Very quietly, he's been a monster. A 30% red zone target share, a 17% overall target share to this point. He's seen top five deep targets on the season, and he's seen the six most tight end red zone targets. Logan Thomas at $3,300, of course, for me, is also going to be in play. Some other guys to mention quickly, Evan Ingram, if he gets his quarterback and Daniel Jones back, will be the only way that I get to Evan Ingram, who is seeing 9, 9, 9, 12 targets in the four games before Daniel Jones went down. I don't want to be playing Evan Ingram with Colt McCoy when I can just get to Mike Gusecki or punt with Jordan Reed and Logan Thomas. But I do think that Evan Ingram will be lower on this week because of the price tags being right next to Mike Gusecki and the cheaper other tight ends around him. Evan Ingram maybe only comes in at 5% owned and that can potentially be or that one dude this week on the Saturday video. Be sure to check it out if indeed you get no or if indeed you get no Colt McCoy and you get Daniel Jones out there. Some other options, if you want to punt Colt Komet, he's very cheap. He allows you to do a lot with your stacks. Robert Tonyan continues to find the end zone, continues to get separation and downfield usage at his cheap price point is also going to be in play for me. And then Jordan Reed's not picking up ownership. Jordan Reed's not picking up ownership because Logan Thomas is right there at the exact same price point as Jordan Reed, but Jordan Reed has been good. His target rate still remains very, very high to this point in the season. Jordan Reed has seen a 14% target share to this point in the season. He's number seven in yards per route run to this point in the year as well. And you're just getting a high target rate, right? A high target rate based on when he's running routes. He ran his most routes in that last game, played his most snaps in that last game, had three catches on four targets for 32 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Reed is a sneakier option. I didn't think he's going to be the sneaky because Logan Thomas is picking up ownership. So that's where I'm at with these positions. I could scroll down so you just see some of the other guys that I have some interest in right now. But my favorite guys at the tight end position are probably going to be Travis Kelsey, Mike Gusecki, Reed, and Logan Thomas this week. Obviously, Robert Tonyan also allows you to do a lot of things with Packers stacks. If you wanted to play Devonta Adams, which clearly makes a lot of sense with Aaron Rodgers in those Packers stacks, a guy like MVS is very cheap to make it work or Robert Tony on a 4,200 is also another cheap option to make it a little bit easier for you to get to those stacks without spending all of your bankroll and all of your budget. So thank you so much for tuning in. Like and subscribe before you go. We will have our That One Dude video out on Saturday this week. We already have a lot of content out. And then on Sunday, we'll go live at 10 a.m. East Coast time so you can hit the notification bell, like all those things, subscribe. Appreciate that a ton. We will have our props video out on noon on Friday, depending on when you're watching this. Player props, Mr. Dylan Bird has been just absolutely dominating the player props game as of late. You can check those out to have a shot at where he's going right now. Somebody who really researches in depth a lot of the game notes that we put out and some other stuff make some quality content so check that out comes out on noon on fridays might already be up depending on when you're watching this all the tools projections ownership that i use that i reference for this slate
website. You can find them over on Patreon. We'll also have a podcast Sunday morning for patrons only to basically tell you how to knock down the slate and absolutely destroy it. Give you some of the inside edge, some of the leverage points, some of the best spots on the slate to be referencing that your opponents won't be able to find. We have that on Patreon on Sunday mornings in that podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Sal. I will see you all in the next video. I hope you have a great start and end to your weekend this week. Best of luck in week 14.